Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Today, we're starting a new series called The Backstory. See, a lot of times we read the Bible, and we, we read it and we see it, but there's often, there's a story behind the story, isn't it, right? For those of all, how, how many go way back, you know who Paul Harvey was, right? Uh, I don't know who he was, but uh, <laughs> he used to always say, here's the rest of the story. I remember my dad would have it on. And, it's, and there's the rest of the story. So we're, we're going to be in this, in this little series, this Lenten series, as we prepare for Easter, when we're going to follow the life of Christ, seeing the interactions that he had, and seeing the story behind the story, because we want to see that full picture. So as we begin the series today, we're going to start the series off as we look at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, and we're going to look at temptation. How you're, you're so excited that I'm talking about temptation today, okay? And I'm not talking about the group back in the 50s. But as we prepare, if you would uh, pull out your Bible, whether it's on your phone, your iPad, or paper, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And uh, this picture that's up there for temptation, this could have been me as a kid. You know, everything that was in our home was, we lived pretty remotely, and so everything was homemade. And uh, I was one of those kids, I couldn't keep my hand out of the cookie jar, you know. And a lot of times my mom had these molasses uh, cookies, these molasses rolls that were there. And uh, this was a big source of temptation for me. But as we dive into it, there's a couple of things that I just want to kind of throw out as we talk about temptation today. Is that first of all, we are all tempted and temptation is normal, right? Okay. And if, 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 you're not, if you're saying I've never been tempted, you've just given into temptation to lie, okay? So temptation is normal. We're all tempted. And I think it's important to also understand that as we look at temptation, that temptation in itself is not a sin because Jesus was tempted and he was sinless. So as we look at temptation, we need to recognize that temptation in and of itself is not a sin. Giving into it but being tempted, it's just it's a reality of life. We also need to recognize that when we look at James 1.3, we find out that when we walk with Jesus, that this testing, as we walk with this with Jesus, that's the key part, is that it actually strengthens us. Here's what it says in James 1.3. It says that when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow let it grow, for when, you, when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So these times that we go through, he's saying, look, consider it all joy because this is for your strengthening. How many of you need strengthening today? You're like me. We need strengthening as we walk in this. And then the writer of Hebrews says this. It says, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, talking about Jesus, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So when we are tempted, it actually strengthens us and it enables us to help those who go through temptation. And who are those being tempted? Everybody. Everybody around you is being tempted, right? So this is a part of it. So let's now, as we look at how to deal with temptation, because I think all of us, we, we've all at one point or another, we've failed the test of temptation, haven't we? Okay, I failed the test. Some of the tests were cookies and some were bigger things than cookies that my mom and my sisters would love to tell you about, okay? So I think as we walk into this day, we need to just walk into it with open eyes saying, as something that it's a part of life and it's something we've also failed at. So how do we overcome? How do we walk in this today and be strong? 
Well, we, we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let's read together. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, and I'd, I'd invite you to read along with me. Let's read this together. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But told him, No, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. Let's keep going. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. Let's move on to the third one. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word. It is a light unto our path. Help us to see it today. And Lord, not to just read it as a fairy tale, but as the word of God, truth. Transform us through the power of your word today. And everyone said together, amen, amen. So today we're looking at this backstory of temptation. This is a very popular uh, account in the life of Jesus when he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And then there were three temptations that took place. But I'd like for us to kind of back up to see what happened before this because who knows what happened before this. It was the baptism of Jesus. It was the baptism of Jesus. Do you know what we're going to do at the end of the service today? We're going to baptize some people at the end of the service today, okay? So, so I want you to listen up. Yes, I want you to listen up. And I'm even, though, at the end of the service, we have two people that want to be baptized about. So I'm going to be blazing a trail for this, okay? So stay with me for this ride. But I also want to throw it out that if you are here today and you're going, you know what? After I've heard this word, I'd like to be baptized. I'd like to stand up. I'd like to invite you to join us at the end and, and come on down, Okay? There's nothing wrong with going home in a wet car, okay? And uh, I've done that many times. <laughs> you know, part of my story is I think I, I lost count, but I know I was baptized at least seven times as a kid. And I had a pastor who knew me, and he was very happy to baptize me as many times as I needed it. So, um, But as we walk through this whole thing today, we need to look at that this backstory of temptation, this was uh, what the baptism of Jesus Christ preceded this, and this was the launch of his public ministry. This was, this was when Jesus, he went public. And he went public with John the Baptist. That as you look at it, that John the Baptist, he was baptizing people. And there were three key things that, he would, that John the Baptist would preach in this. First of all, he would say, repent for the kingdom of God is coming. It started with repentance. And then, he's, and then, then, he's, then he said, be baptized. And when we look at that word repent, as he was talking about the judgment and the need for repent, is this word metanoia, which means to change one's life. 
and it's based on a complete change of attitude and thought. See, when we repent, it is a complete turnaround. It is a complete change. How many of you have ever had somebody apologize to you and you're like, they don't mean it. There's no change, okay? That's how my sisters feel about me. My sisters are coming into the sermon a lot today. So, um, But walking through, it's like that kid brother, that kid sister, that person at school pushed you down and they came up and they're saying they're sorry just because somebody made them. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a heart that recognizes they need a life change. It is a complete turnaround. When I come to Jesus and repent, my life is different. I'm still Dwayne, but now I'm transformed. And it begins with that attitude of repentance. And this is, this is what John is, is, is talking about here. And then he says to be baptized. And when we look at that word baptizo, it means it's a whole body washing. See, in the Old Testament, when they would prepare to worship God, there were these cleansing ceremonies that would take place. And often there were these ceremonies where it was a whole body washing. And even for Gentiles that wanted to be a part of the Jewish religion, it was a full ceremony where it was a complete washing of the entire body. And it symbolized this whole idea of being washed, of being clean. And here in this context, in the New Testament, it it, it recognized that, that repentance and that somebody wanted to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's saying, I'm going under. The old is gone. The old person, the old Dwayne is gone and washed away. And I come up as a follower of Jesus Christ following him. It's not a salvation step. But it's a continued step of discipleship, of that that commitment to Christ. That's why when Jesus talked about discipleship, in the last words he said to his discipleship, when he commissioned them, and we spent the last three weeks talking about this. When we talk about discipleship, he said, go and make disciples and what? And baptize them. There's something powerful in that. And when we as followers of Christ, when we step into discipleship and when we step into being baptized, we know with certainty that we are obeying Jesus. And when we know for certainty that we are obeying Jesus, there's a power in that. When you're walking in obedience, you're aligning yourself with Christ. You're walking in his way. You're under the shadow of his wing. There's a power that comes with that. That's why baptism is so powerful. That's why I get so excited about it. Whether you've never been baptized before or you have and God's doing something new in your life and you're like, I want to recommit, I want to step up because I've gotten off the rails and now I'm getting back on and God is speaking to me. This is the power of baptism. So with all that in mind, why was Jesus baptized? He was perfect. He was sinless. There's no washing away of sin. But when we look at the life of Jesus, we need to recognize that in this moment when Jesus is stepping forward, when he's going public, he is stepping forward as the Messiah, as the one who's taking on the weight of the world, the one who's paying for our sin. So he's not being baptized as an individual. He's being baptized as, as the Messiah, as the one who is, who is walking towards the cross. He's also doing this because everything that Jesus did, he did with that Intent of teaching us and instructing us. Why? Because discipleship is what? It's following Jesus. What are the things that Jesus did? What are those important things that Jesus did? This is what baptism is. So when we get baptized today, in our modern day, baptism is simply about announcing to the world that now I am a follower of Christ. I am his. When you walk out of this place and you're all wet, they're going to say, man, why are you all wet? You know, it's cold outside. You say, I'm a follower of Jesus. And I've seen so many people, that may sound silly, that may sound even weird, right? But I mean, welcome to my world. My, my world is silly and weird. But as I walk out, I've seen it so many times when that's become an opportunity to witness and to testify. Here's what that means. Here's why we do it. We're following his example. It's an outward demonstration of an inward reality of Jesus Christ in my life. 
This is what baptism is. And when Jesus was baptized, we see this endorsement of God. When he was baptized, he was affirmed as the son of God in John 10, 30. He was affirmed as his identity as the Messiah. He was affirmed by the voice of God from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. There's an affirmation that comes with it. So that's very quickly baptism. And if you want to be baptized today at the end of the service, it would be my joy and my pleasure to invite you in that. So Jesus going from there, as we continue this backstory, we have the baptism, but then following the baptism, as we just read at the beginning of this passage, we see that Jesus was led by the Spirit of God where? Into the wilderness. Now why in the world would God lead us into the wilderness? See, a lot of times when we think about a wilderness experience, sometimes we think when we come to Christ that, man, when I come to Jesus, everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be awesome. Everything in my life, because Jesus is there, it's going to just be easy, and it's the easy life. But how many disciples of Christ, you know that's, that's not the truth, <laughs> right? And Jesus walks intentionally to show us the way. He goes from going public, he's the Messiah, launching his ministry, and then he goes specifically from there to the wilderness, and this was God's will. But see, he's doing this because a lot of times, I think especially in our world, as it comes to dealing with Christ, we think every moment is an Instagram moment. You know what an Instagram moment is, right? Those are the good moments in life. Those are the things you pick. You're like, I can't wait for my friends to see this. And they're fun and they're cool and I love seeing them for everybody. But so many of the moments in our life are not those Instagram moments that we just want to show how good things are. And I think so many times when we walk with Christ, we fall into that trap, right? We think about following Christ as being, you know what? I'm ready to walk on water, Jesus. I'm in line. I'm in front of the line. I'm ready to walk on water. I'm ready to feed 5,000 people, Jesus. I'm ready to start healing people, Jesus. I'm ready to do all those moments. But the first thing that God does is he leads us into the wilderness. Why does he do this? Well, he does this because we need preparation, Every tool that God uses, what's the first thing that he does? He sharpens it. Have you ever tried to use a blunt tool? Terrible. It doesn't work well. I see some hands up. Yep. It's terrible. The job is ineffective. And a lot of times people get hurt. See, we can do all things... That was a promise that was given to us in Philippians 4. But we can only do them through Christ who gives us strength. See, Jesus said, he said in John 15, 5, he said, look. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But then he goes on to say that apart from me, you can do nothing. So I can do all things, but I can only do them in Christ. When I'm attached to Jesus... He's, he's the vine, we're the branches, but apart from him, there's nothing I can do. The mission he's given us and the promise he's given us, he's told us that, you know what, you will do even greater things. Think about that. When Jesus says, you will do even greater things than me as my disciples because I am with you. The key in that is being with him. The key in that is being connected to him. See, one of the values that we get from the wilderness is that being in the wilderness, it reveals a lot about who we are. When you walk through a wilderness experience, it shows what you're connected to, doesn't it? When you're walking the path that we have in this picture, you quickly find out the things you've been leaning on and how reliable or unreliable they are. 
And we even know that as it relates to life, whether it's in a Christian walk, whether it's in the business world or whatever, that those who make it to the top without a struggle, they often find it difficult to stay there. We see this all the time, and there are so many studies that I encourage you to go out and research it, to Google it. But when you look at people who made it to the top quick, where they seem they bypassed a process, they may reach the top, they may reach stardom, they may reach fame, but it's very difficult to stay there. Did you know that Canada has an astronaut? Yes, we have several, I know. Okay. Here's what Canadian astronaut Chris Hadfield said. And he's not the only one, but he said this. He said, look, he said, early success is a terrible teacher. Early success is a terrible teacher. He said, you're essentially being rewarded for a lack of preparation. So when you find yourself in a situation where you must prepare, you can't do it. Because you don't know how. And we've seen that with people. They've done everything. They've cut every corner. They've cheated their way to get that corner off or sort of get whatever it was, only to get there and to find it not sustainable. We've seen that in relationships. People that they've tried to fast-track relationships because they're lonely. They just, they just want a relationship, any relationship, and then they get there without going through the process, and they find themselves broken. See, that process is so important. And how long does this process take? As long as it takes. And I found that this wilderness experience, the length of it is directly tied to my level of teachability, isn't it? The more teachable I am, the quicker we can get through this process. And there have been some things in my life that God's brought me to a wilderness, and it's been a great ride through. I've been going through, and like, God, yes, I see your plan in this. But then there's times I walk through, and I'm struggling to see it. And I become unteachable. And I, I start lacking trust in God. Do you know what God does? Let's do another lap. Let's do another lap. It's like if you've ever coached kids on a team, right? And they come in, you go, all right, before we get going, five laps. And then you have that kid that tries to cut across the corner. It's like, no, Johnny, you're doing another lap. You're doing another lap around because there's no shortcuts. This is part of your preparation. We're not just checking a box here. Because, see, God's mission for us is dependent on our submission to him. See, God brought me through this process, man, I think it was eight years ago now, when we moved back to Seattle. See, part of my story is I was here back in the early 2000s as a worship and creative arts pastor, having a wonderful time. We loved Seattle. Two of our kids were born here, and we were just loving life and loving this community. We've always loved this community. And then God spoke to us and said, I want you to go help a friend plant a church in Jackson, Mississippi. And I was like, Jackson, Mississippi? But God, you call us to Seattle. Are there salmon in Jackson, Mississippi? You know, are there Seahawks in Jackson, Mississippi? I don't, you know, all these things. As a Canadian being two hours from the border, I'm like, man, that's a long drive to the border now. God, can, can this be you? God led me down. And we had a wilderness experience there. At the end of that time, we felt the Lord was releasing us, and we looked to come back to Seattle. The Lord brought us to northern Virginia in the D.C. area and brought us to this wonderful church, very healthy church, a vibrant church where God began to instruct us, began to pour into us. And it was a church that I could have stayed at my whole life and retired. And about five years in, God began bringing Seattle back to our heart, although Seattle never left our heart. 
when people would come into our house, they would see pictures of Pike Place Market and Mount Rainier and the Cascades, and they're like, did you ever leave Seattle? It was always in our heart. But the Lord brought us through this two-year process because typically when I've moved, it's been a full-time job, full benefits, everything's laid out and everything's there. God was saying, I want you to sell everything and just and go. And as a dad with four kids, that was very scary. It was very scary. God, how could this be you? And I went through this two-year process in a very healthy place where I was being challenged and God was stripping me down to the core because I knew that God spoke to me. I was driving our minivan. You know, we've been in minivan land for a long time with kids. And we were driving the minivan and the Spirit of the Lord filled the van and I, he just began to speak to me so strong that I couldn't even speak. I called Stephanie. I said, honey, I need to talk to you. And we went, we went to the back parking lot of a grocery store and we just wept as we recognized the voice of the Lord. If anybody going by would have thought that that we were breaking up because <laughs> we were just crying. But we're like, what does this look like? And we began seeking the Lord and seeking the Lord because we felt God calling us back to learn the city. I went through this process of just a strip down and just talking and of just letting everything go to the point to where after I went through this process, I got with an intentional mentor. I was talking with my pastor. I was walking through discipleship very intentionally. It was such an intentional time as I was walking through this wilderness that it made me even wonder. I said, God, was I even a disciple of yours before? Because you're stripping me down so much. And I've been a, been a pastor 25 years. But it was that wilderness experience, walking through, is this you? And so we sold everything. We packed it up. We got our kids together, and our kids are wondering because they had all these close friendships. They're struggling with this. Is this God? And as a dad in the back going, this is God, let's go, I'm going, God, I hope I didn't miss you. Because I'm not just leading me. I'm leading my family. Think about it. You know, as a pastor, I've talked to so many people who have been scarred by the church. They've been hurt by the church. They've been hurt by pe people saying, this is God, and we go, and it's not God. All that pressure is on me. I come from a family that many of them are not serving the Lord because of things like that, and I'm like, I'm not going to be a part of that process. You know, when you've been hurt by something, you're like, I'm not being a part of that. And so we're driving the minivan out to Seattle, and we're excited, but at the same time, I'm going, you've called me to step out on a, on a, on a limb here. But each step of the way, God met me and he affirmed. And there were so many stories along the way, so many things that I can go into. But the thing that I want you to get from this today is that I wouldn't trade that for anything. We came back here. We got reconnected with the community. I never, I, I never thought it would be back here. I was trying to not get in the way. I didn't want to get in the way of what God was doing here. Pastor Bob welcomed me in. He said, I, you know, I can give you a part-time job and it will free you up to be in the city. So I was here part-time, I was working in the city as a, as a barista, I felt God lead me down the line. And it's very hard for, you know, a 40-something man to get a job as a barista downtown Seattle at the really cool coffee houses, believe it or not. When they hired me, the first person who walked in and saw me, because they put the newbies on the till, right? You don't get to touch coffee, you got to get on the till first. And a guy looked up and said, whoa, it's a dude. I said, you already? He said, yeah, I've never seen a dude in here before. And... But God began to speak to me in that. Because I went from working in a, 
I was going to say predominantly Christian, but everyone that I work with here on staff, they're all Christians. So, uh, But I, I went from being in a predominantly Christian work environment to where now I was the only Christian. I had people asking me, you know, you're a pastor? What, what's a pastor? What does that mean? I had many people that I was the first known Christian that they met and God was speaking to me. And God was bringing up all these moments that he was just discipling me. And it was by faith. We had times when bills would come in, the money wasn't there for it. One of our kids had to rush to Children's Hospital. And it came through, and the, 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 the bill after insurance was $1,000, and we just didn't have it. And before, and it was just this breath of, God, help us in this. That was the prayer. That was it. God, help us. Have you ever been in those times when it's like, it's not our Heavenly Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's like, God, Help. And we walked to the mailbox, and there was an unmarked envelope with cash for the exact amount. This was our wilderness. God teaching us, and he's saying, Dwayne, don't you trust me? Don't you know? There were things that God did that I knew had nothing to do with me, and then so many more. Things that only God could get glory for. Because all I could squeak out is, God, help. You brought us here. I had great insurance back there. This is the wilderness experience. And see, the wilderness becomes very important to us because look at the life of Jesus. Went public ministry, led by the Spirit, 40 days, 40 nights. And then this leads him up to what? Temptation. See, a lot of times we're surprised by temptation. And the temptation comes at the end of the wilderness, and this is when we're tempted. And we need to pay attention to this. And the big temptation that in this that we see, there were three temptations, but they all come down to one thing, which is to take the easy way out. I think a lot of times for us, we're so tempted to just take the easy way. See, the source of temptation is our own desires, that quicker, that easier, that cheaper. I really want this, but can I get it for cheaper? Can I get it quicker? Can I get it without all the cost? See, when we are empty, when we are hungry, and when we are all alone, this is when we're the most susceptible to it. This was Jesus. He fasted for 40 days, 40 nights. Was he hungry? Yes. I'm hungry right now, and I've only been fasting for two hours. Amen. Okay. 40 days, 40 nights. When we are hungry, when we're alone, when we've been walking out, this is when... Temptation seems to come in and to overwhelm us. And not just when we're empty in the stomach, but when we're empty spiritually. When we haven't been pouring the word of God into us. When we haven't been praying, when we haven't been listening to God. When we haven't been gathering together with people for worshiping together and having that encouragement. When there's an emptiness in us, that's when we're the most vulnerable for temptation and the enemy knows it. He walks right in. And if we're not careful, this is when we are tempted to refill with what's familiar to us. We've all been there, haven't we? Right? We're empty, we're tired, we're alone, and we just reach out for the thing that feels comfortable to us, which, which, which for me is a bag of potato chips, right? Or it can be easily other things. What are the things that soothe that loneliness? What are the things that soothe that pain? See, there's a space in us that was only made to be filled by God and his spirit, his life. And when we're not filling it with that, it's a vacuum that sucks in. And we go to those familiar habits, those things that, that we just know to do. Sometimes when we're walking new paths, 
See, God is doing a new thing in you, but you're walking in a new way that needs to be dependent on him. And when we're not filling our lives with the spirit of God, being filled with his Holy Spirit, we're leaving our lives open to be filled with anything. See, our mission for those who have been following Christ is to go out and to make disciples. But Satan's goal is to come in and to knock you off with everything that he has. When we stand up and when we take these last three weeks serious that I'm called to be a follower of Christ, do you know who Satan is after? He's after you. He's after to tempt you. He's out to test you and to see what's happening in your life and how we handle these moments because it would be very easy to go, you know what, we've been talking about discipleship. Why am I going through a hard time? Why did this happen? Why did this thing happen? And God's looking at you saying, because I'm getting you ready. I'm preparing you. Are you ready to do some reps? What I have for you is so great that unless you know how to trust me in the wilderness, you won't make it. I want you to see the miracle that I'm going to do in your life. I want you to trust me that it may not be the ways and the means that you think, but that's the whole point. How could I know? There's no way that I could know except for God speaking to me and directing me and showing me. And we need to look at the life of Jesus Christ that when he walked in and all these temptations, what, how did he respond? He responded with the word of God. The Bible says this, and then Satan tried to twist the word of God and bring that back to him. And he said, no, the Bible, it really says this. We need to be people that are filled with the love of God, filled with his word, so that when it's twisted, we recognize the twist. Do you not think that our society is twisting scripture today? All the time. All the time. I have so many conversations with people who are far from God, people who hate God. And when they talk to me, I, I, I count it such a great privilege that they would trust me enough to open up. But so many times when the scriptures come out and they're twisted, I'm praying, God, reveal to me now. Help me to say your word. And I'm not coming at them with combative and going, ha ha, I'm just going, look, let's look at the fully picture. This is what God has for us. This is what he's really speaking for us. This, this is what it means as we follow Christ. We need to be filled with the word of God. This is what Jesus did. The, he knew the word of God. He was the living word of God. We need to be men and women of the word. Because see, Jesus, he was dealt, he was tempted in everything that dealt with the mission. The first thing he was tempted with, what, with what was what? Pro provision. Jesus, you're hungry, 40 days and 40 nights. You have the power to turn those stones into bread. I thank God that I don't have that power. Because I'd be making bread left and right. <laughs> the temptation would be too great for me. But what did Jesus say? I don't live by bread alone. I live by every word that comes. Think about those areas in your life where you feel like you're lacking provision and God's speaking to you. It would be very easy for us to take it into our own hands and say, you know what? I'm not going to trust God anymore. It would be very easy for us to go, I'm going to be the provider in this situation. The next area that Satan tempted Jesus in was the cost. It was the cost. Remember, he took him to the top of the temple and said, just jump. Just jump. The angels will save you. See, what Satan was tempting Jesus with in that moment is he was saying, you know what? You are at the temple. This is the center of Jewish life. By you jumping and not dying, then everyone's going to know you are the Messiah. The religious leaders, they're not going to doubt. They're going to know you're the Messiah. 
You can instantly, in seconds, go to being seen as the Messiah of the world. You don't have to preach all the sermons. You don't have to walk with all those disciples that are not going to listen to you anyway, and you're going to have to keep calling them back again and back again and back again. You're not going to have to walk and do all those healings. You're not going to have to do any of that. We can take care of it right now. That's our temptation, isn't it? I want it right now. God's called me on this path of preparation, but we want to shortcut it. We want it right now. Sometimes it's the cost. You don't have to die. I can give you all the worlds right now, all that you see. Just bow and worship me, and it's all yours. How many times have we succumbed to that? You don't need to follow Jesus like that. That's not what discipleship looks like. You don't have to believe all that stuff in the Bible. It's not really true anyway. This was the original sin, wasn't it? Did God really say that? And so many times we want to sell out. And in the culture that we're in, so many times the thing that will cause us the greatest temptation to sell out is because of a relationship. Because we're in such a lonely culture that when we have a friend and that friend believes differently than we do, we are tempted to say, yeah, maybe God didn't really say that. And this is okay. And we slide down that slippery slope of compromise where God is speaking to us. This is the temptation. This is why we need to know the word of God. We need to know what he's speaking to us. Because otherwise we're going to find us in a place where we're not going to have the food or the cost is going to be too high or where people will leave us. And I will say this too, that the further that you move into leadership, it can often be a very lonely place, can it? <laughs> because when you're leading, when you're with the pack, and then God calls you out front, it'll become very apparent who you're trusting and who you're following. This is the temptation. But here's what I would say to you, is that the greatest victory in your life is going to come immediately after the greatest temptation that you've received. The greatest victory in your life often follows one of the greatest temptations that you will overcome through the power of Jesus Christ. And I've often discovered that oftentimes when I find that I'm being tempted and there's something going on, that there's a spiritual battle, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, things that are unseen to us. The Bible says that we're not to think it's strange when we fall into these trials. We need to look at them and go, you know what? There's something going on here. When there's an attack on my life, when there's an attack on my kid's life, when there's an attack on my wife's life, I need to bunker down and pray and say, God, there's something, there's a big victory that's getting ready to happen because there's too much attack happening. The closer you get to that front line, the stronger the battle is. But instead of running in retreat and saying, maybe I'm, maybe God didn't really say that. We need to open ears and say, Lord, if you've called me, I will faithfully run. If you've called me, I'll faithfully run. Affirm your word to me. Do you know how many times Jesus affirmed his word to the disciples? Every time they came and asked, he's like, let's go over it again. Yes. Yes. To live is Christ. To die is gain. The life that he is calling us in discipleship, it requires a total submission of our heart. But here's what I'm here to say. When we surrender to Christ like that, the life that you experience will be a life like none other. 
some of the greatest moments in my life has been when my paycheck has been the least. <laughs> but it's only been through Christ who gives me strength. We know what it's like. I know what it's like to check the tips and I'm going, okay, I got the morning shift. I'll get some more tips today. <laughs> because we need it. I know what it's like to see the faithfulness of God, for God to bring provision in non-traditional ways in my life. And along the way to see my life impacted, my family's life impacted, my city, my community impacted. But it takes that wholehearted submission. And I'm not standing before you as somebody perfect. But I'm standing before you as somebody who has walked and has struggled. And Jesus found me and he pulled me right back. And I walk and I struggle. And he brings me right back. How many of that's your story? And what I'm saying is keep getting up. Keep going to Jesus. Keep trusting Jesus. See what he will do. Amen? This is the life. And there's no life like it. There's no life like it. Trusting and following the Lord. Trusting and following the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you, would you bow your hearts with me this morning? As I invite the worship team and we're going to walk in discipleship in a way, but just a couple questions that I want you to kind of think about today as we kind of respond to this. That maybe for you, you stand here today and God, you've been struggling. You've been struggling with this whole act of submitting to God. But maybe the Lord's been speaking to you through this, this time together and saying, you know what, I want to resubmit my life to Christ. I want to resurrender my life to Christ. I don't want to play around anymore. I want to hear his voice. If that's you and you want to rededicate your life today, would you just lift your hand and say, I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. Yes, thank you. Anyone else? You're like, I'm not playing. I'm not playing. I want to experience the voice of God in every way. This is the follower of Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what, God's been doing this during a new thing in my life. You know, Dwayne, I've, I've been trying this out and it's been amazing and there's a new thing. And you're saying, I, I want to be baptized. I want to stand up. I want to experience that. I want the world to know God's doing a new thing in my life. Maybe your response today is to sign up for baptism. Or you're saying, you know what, I don't care going home wet. <laughs> I'm willing to... I'm willing to go home wet today. And when I call these two men up, you're going to come up and you're going to join them and you're going to be baptized today. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be incredible? Maybe today as you're responding to this, maybe you're in a wilderness. How are you handling the wilderness? What does that look like? Do you see God's plan? Or are you running from God? If you're running from God this morning, let me invite you to come back. Come back. Turn around. Come back. Bring that to the Lord. Or maybe temptation is something that's been rising up in your life. I want you to identify. And maybe you want to write it down as a card so you'll have that for later preparing. Identify the areas where you're being tempted today. Where are those areas that you're being tempted and it feels like it's about to overwhelm you? 
and ask yourself and ask the Lord, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. What are the things that are getting in the way? What are the things that maybe you're here today and you're like, you know, Pastor Wayne, I've, I'm tempted so much and I just, I feel like I'm just, I'm giving in and I'm giving in and I'm giving in. Let me encourage you to never walk alone. To never walk alone. Do you know how many times Jesus is going to forgive you? The Bible says 70 times 7, which means forever and ever and ever. Confession is the way of a disciple, but we, it's important to confess. We need to go to one another. Go to someone you trust. Go to a pastor. Go to a director. Go to a friend. At this point, I'd like to invite our prayer team to go to the side. These are prayer team that are severely underutilized. <laughs> there are ne I've never seen a long line standing, but these are wonderful people. You looking for someone to trust? You can trust these people. They're up in the balcony. They're right here. You have confidentiality with them. Just to go and say, you know what? Man, I'm struggling. Or God's leading me in this way. And I, I want someone to pray for me for faith today. Are there things that you know to let go of that you're like, you know what? I'm, just, I'm having a hard time letting go of them. <laughs> God's spoken to me. He's told me to let go of that. But I'm struggling to let go. Maybe it's a source of provision in your life. The voice of the Lord would say to you today, let go. Let go. Let it go and allow God to come in. Amen.